Welcome to the Fringe Element Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. Week one, officially, all SEC teams are in action. It is a celebratory time to be alive. My name is Braden Gall, and you can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Um, mine is Aaron Dugan. You can find me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram. What's my fucking Instagram handle? The no, no, that's the Twitter account. Aaron underscore Dugan. That's the, that's the Instagram account. Y'all, it is week one, and I am. <laughs> I have not slept, and we are going to make it, though. We need reps, baby. We need reps. Uh, big show planned, of course. We'll, we'll get to all of the great games from week one. We'll talk Utah, Oregon, Georgia, Florida, Arkansas, Cincinnati, LSU, Florida State on a Sunday night in New Orleans. Sign me up. Uh, obviously, there's a bunch of bad games as well. Tennessee, Missouri, Bama, and, and maybe South Carolina gets a test. So we'll get into all of that. Our final playoff predictions as well. Who do we have in the final four? Uh, some Kentucky drama off the field. How does that impact their season? Some quarterback news has been has been made, of course, finally. Uh, although Lynn Kiffin's deciding to play it coy, shockingly. Um, some <laughs> drama at Auburn that we have to cover, of course. Uh, and, and, but let's let's start with let's start with celebrating for a moment because it is a victory week for Aaron Dugan's Vanderbilt Commodores. Never before had Clark Lee's offense ever gotten over 454 yards. They dropped 601 on Hawaii in a 63-3 run. And Mike Wright ran for 163 yards. Looked like he was in control. You got naming rights for the stadium. That's some big dollars coming in for a 10-year contract. There's momentum here for the Commodores, baby. I mean, Lord knows we needed it. Um, yeah, the, it was impressive to watch. Well... Yeah, I mean, the, it was impressive. It's an impressive showing, even though it's not a great Hawaii team. Um, the Commodores, like you mentioned, were able to, uh, like, had almost 600 yards. They had almost as many yards on the ground in this game than they had, um, like, more yards on the ground than maybe any game last year. Did I say that right? Yeah. Oh, I, I, it's got it's got to be, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's exciting, too, to watch things happening on both sides of the ball. I mean, you've got some guys that are going to, you know, it's been hard for Vanderbilt to – hasn't really been defined by like standout players. There's been like one guy here or there for the past couple of years that maybe got like a lot of attention. And now you've got guys that are kind of showing up. I mean, obviously Anthony Orgy's great. He's able to, you know, uh, capitalize on a couple of mistakes by Hawaii or at least one, I think he at least had one interception. And then Elijah McAllister had a good showing. And then obviously that performance from Mike Wright was very impressive. Uh, hopefully that translates. It doesn't need to translate to winning by 54 every game. It just needs to translate right. to it being close. And hopefully um, they're on the way to that with things happening. Thank God, finally, on both sides of the ball. We'll just have to see how that works in SEC play. So I'm doing some quick math looking at last year's box scores. They had about 490 yards rushing in their first four games last season. Together? Combined? Combined. Oh, God. And 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 again, in in take East Tennessee State out of it, their first game, which they lost, where they only rushed for eighty five yards, they had exactly four hundred and four yards rushing in the Colorado State, Stanford, and Georgia games, which is games two, three, and four last year. They had four hundred and four yards exactly. No, against Hawaii this past weekend. So look at uh, that. It, it took them. It took them basically four games to get to what they did in one game. And here's what's interesting about the the naming rights thing to me. Like, sure, it's a bunch of extra money for the athletic department. Um, most and most stadiums in the in the SEC, like you can't even think about naming a football stadium. But it's but with Vanderbilt, it feels like if you took Hawkins Field, the baseball stadium, or Memorial Gymnasium, the basketball gym, 
and took those two naming rights away, I think Vanderbilt fans would have a conniption. But I 100%. think with the, fo- with the football, they're kind of like okay with it, right? Mm-hmm. It's weird because chugging energy drink. Um, it's weird because you're right. Everybody is all over the SEC, especially with football, people are very emotionally attached to the names of their respective venues and stadiums. Yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt has this weird thing where they kind of kind of goes by Vanderbilt Stadium. It's sort of kind of technically Dudley Field, but everybody forgets that and just calls it Vanderbilt Stadium anyway. So if you're going to rename one without a lot of controversy, this is definitely the one to rename. Yeah. And maybe no one cared because have you seen it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's getting a but facelift. It's getting it's, a facelift. Yep, it's so getting good time some money. to rebrand. Yep, it's getting some money. Um, and, and of course, look, we told you to take the over two and a half. They play Elon this weekend. If Mike Wright just continues to show command of the offense and, and some maturity and some progress from last year, which I think we clearly saw. Yes, Hawaii's not a good football team. But if that is happening then there is some some signs of life for Vanderbilt. And if they win just one SEC game this year, if they beat Elon on Saturday and then mm-hmm. one SEC game, they will not only hit the over, but they'll snap that that SEC losing streak that dates back to October of 2019. So feeling good here this week if you're a Vanderbilt Commodore fan. Time to celebrate because the schedule gets much, much harder uh, throughout the course uh, of the year. By the way, if you would like to watch Aaron chug energy drinks, check out the YouTube page. All of our episodes are up on YouTube. And we've got some cool new stuff coming for you. My, you know, you know Stephen Lassen, old Athlon Sports uh, co-worker of yours. Stephen and I are going to do... He's been on this show before, College Football Savant. I am going to challenge him to a picks against the spread competition for every single SEC game the entire season. It's so a hard gonna, person to challenge. I'm not yeah, saying yes. you don't know your shit, but... No, no, you're absolutely right. I am the underdog. He's like recalculating. Wow. <laughs> Just saying. He knows his shit. It's like a little calculator. I think I think you should do that voice the rest of the show. Recalculating route. Um, so we're gonna do that. That'll be uh, that'll be on the YouTube page. So check out the 440 Sports YouTube page. It'll be a short video every single Friday. We're gonna throw up all of our picks against the spread just for SEC games, but we have to pick every single one. So we're gonna see how we do against Vegas. And I'm trying to compete against Steven, who, to your point, is essentially a college football robot. So uh, yep. check out the YouTube page. Turn on the notifications uh, and go uh, and go watch Aaron chug energy drinks. Yeah. Um, Sorry. All right. That's enough, Vandy. Congratulations. Uh, Auburn, let's get into the Auburn stuff. Again, huge week of action, so we'll get to a lot of that. But Auburn announces Alan Green, the athletic director, and the team. They're kind of going to part ways. And, of course, you've got um, his last day is August 31st, which is the, fr- the t- on Wednesday when you're probably listening to this, hopefully, uh, or watching this. And then three days later, the season's going to start. Brian Harson's second season, he's going to begin the season without an athletic director. Uh, Auburn C- Athletic CEO Marcy Girton is going to take over. Um, I think this is interesting because I think there's a lot of narratives about Alan Green nationally. There's a lot of narratives about the meddling boosters. There's a lot of... In- a lot of complicated ins and outs about all of this. Um, he was clearly looking for to get out. I think they're I think this is where one of those thing times, Aaron, where multiple things can be true, where mm-hmm. like he didn't do a terrible job. Look, he got Bruce Pearl's extension. He fired Gus Malzahn like they all wanted. He he got Auburn baseball went to the College World Series twice, and he raised a bunch of money and, and secured funding for their football development facility. So there's a lot of things he did right. He then, of course, pushed the boosters away during the coaching search to hire Brian Harson because they were meddling too much, which they don't like. And right. I think that. To, to, I don't know about you, Aaron, but that to me was like the beginning of like the bad relationship and the bad vibes. B- but also, like, I don't think that they're at a point of no return. So while I think 
And certainly there could be some some other racial issues involved. This is, the, you know, this is a deep southern school. Don't tell me that not everybody doesn't like the guy because of some other random nonsense that's stupid. But like it is a deep southern school. It is also for everybody listening. Twenty twenty two. So right, right. let's not keep going, though. I, to, to me, it's like I don't like how this was handled. Some of this is Auburn's fault. Some of this might be Alan Green's fault. Like, I, I think all that's probably true. And I don't like that the meddling boosters are going to be involved in this. But just like Brian Harson, it probably is the right thing for both parties for Alan Green to be going on to somewhere else to get a probably a good job and probably go do a good job. And I think Brian Harson is eventually going to do a great job at Arizona State next year. So there you go. <laughs> no, nothing specific. I hear you. What are you chugging? Uh, that's just just some coffee and water, oh, baby. It was just the reflection on the from the window made it look like something else. No, um, I I go three cups of three cups of coffee before even the like the day gets started. So you did you did mention with Alan Green like what he was able to do and a lot. I mean those things are true. I wouldn't attribute some of the major like programs success to him because he only got there in 2018. So I don't think baseball had to be on the up and up before that. Yes, but, but if I it happens you. if it happens under your watch. You know, mm-hmm. yep. Same thing. It's like the economy and college sports. <laughs> right, Somebody right. did it before you, but you get credit. Yeah. Um, the, or, or a global pandemic. Like you didn't cause it, but you were in charge when it happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, so. But yeah, I think you're right that everything that's going down with Auburn, there's not really a better alternative. Like, could it have been better if things had gone differently before? Like, I, no, not really, because this with the meddling and everything, it just, it wasn't going to work is what I'm getting at. I'm tired. It wasn't going to work. Uh, the, and it's very, very, very difficult to, um, keep Auburn boosters or any Southeastern school boosters out of things. So to the next AD, good luck. Yeah. Good luck. And you hire the new AD who of course is eventually going to move on Brian Harson at some point, who, by the way, Mm -hmm. starts his second season against Mercer on Saturday. In week one of the season where they actually look like a better team, you read practice reports and Auburn feels like a better football team right now, more, more like organized, no chaos, none of the pandemic shots and vaccines and all this other garbage. Like the, the writing was on the wall for both Green and Harson back in February with, when the internal investigation happened and Alan Green said nothing. And he's right. clear. And like, again, there's reports out there that he's been looking for elsewhere to go elsewhere. So again, like, I don't like how any of this has been handled. I think those narratives are okay to explore, but I also think every party is better off moving forward without each other at this point. Like this is just the the couple that you know yep. that just needs to some time apart from each other because they just it's good when it's good, but man, it just needed they just it's gotta be over now. It's gotta be over. So well, and it luck. hasn't been it hasn't been good in a second and everybody's sick of hearing about yeah. it. Yeah. You're complaining to your friends and not getting anywhere. Just clean break. Good, good luck, uh, TJ Finley. Have fun. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last either, by the way. TJ Finley is the starting quarterback for the Arbor Tigers. I think they're good. I think they're a better football team this year. I will believe it when I see it. Okay. I think they're going to crush Mercer. I'll give you that. Uh, all right. Well, some quarter, some quarterback news around the, the league. Texas A&M. Haynes King is the guy. Of course, he was the starter last year as a redshirt freshman. Put up some, some interesting numbers. Made a few mistakes in their first win and then got hurt against Colorado. Never to be seen again. Um, he's obviously, you know, Max Johnson is there really high quality backup, but Haynes King gives them that upside. And here's they play Sam Houston state this weekend, Aaron. So I don't think that's a big story, Mm-mm. but what I want to watch is I want to see what the offense looks like with Haynes King. And I, and again, I think Texas A&M season has too they have too much talent to not break through at some point. And if they get great quarterback play consistently, good quarterback play from a guy with Haynes King's ability, 
This team can absolutely challenge for a playoff spot. If he is not consistent and good, I don't want to put it all on one guy because I think there's other things that you could discuss right. with this team. But and the schedule's hard and blah, 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 blah. But like th- that is the thing that could separate Texas A&M from everybody. We've said it all year. And now it's Haynes King's job. Yeah. And I think even though on paper or when you're just looking at it, you know, without really doing a deep dive or if you're only counting reps in an SEC game, um, like on the field as a starting quarterback or playing at all, maybe he doesn't look as experienced, but it is his third year under the same offensive coordinator he knows the system in and out and he's very he's very fast he's (laughs) got a good arm and i think that that's something that texas a&m i mean it's just the actual accuracy factor i mean i don't i don't think it can be max johnson because i think max johnson is extremely talented but the his tendency to like give the ball away or make mistakes or not be able to complete passes at the end of games texas a&m like you said their schedule is really hard so not being able to close things out is would would not be good for this team. So hopefully Haynes King is able to do that. And if they can if he can be accurate and use his athleticism yeah. to put the ball in the right spot, then they'll be in a better place. I mean, Texas, this has not been this is not uh it would not be what Texas AM wants to have the inconsistency because we saw what an athlete Kellen Mond was but he just couldn't always put the ball in the right place. I mean, it got better as yes, time yes. went on, but that just the accuracy, like those, you know, just inches of difference is, you know, cost Texas A&M yep. several games when Kellen Mond was um, the starting quarterback, I, even though the talent was there. I believe Kellen Mond got waived by the Vikings too, by the way, like, yes, like on Tuesday. Yeah, I they believe, released so him. I can't okay. believe that. I mean, I, I guess I can because... He's not a particularly accurate passer, but he was it was a hell of a player there, especially when he got good offensive line play. Um, I, I do find like Max Johnson to me feels like like the weighted blanket that you have at your house, you know, like Love to, cal- to, to calm your anxiety a little bit. Like, I feel like he's there if you need him. He's kind of just a guy that's pretty good, but like dependable. But like, he's not going to lead you to anything special, whereas Haynes King has that that kind of upside. And again, that talent at A&M is going to eventually deliver at some point. Um, it's on Jimbo Fisher to like evolve, I think on offense in particular. So we'll see. But, yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to learn anything against Sam Houston state though. So, but, un, but unlike Ole Miss, at least they made a decision. Yeah, this is so weird to me. So Lane, Lane Kevin basically, so they're playing Troy and we've had John Summerall on the show. So if you're an Ole Miss fan, go listen to the John Summerall interview. Uh, they're going to be very good defensively. They've got what could end up being the all time leading tackler in NCAA history. Uh, in the middle of their the middle of their defense, he's a very good defensive coach. And Ole Miss, uh, maybe both guys are going to play. Lane Kiffin's playing at Coy up until the day. He's not going to announce it. He's going to. I, I mean, I, I don't think Jackson Dart is accurate enough to make Lane Kiffin's system go like it wants to. Even right. though he's the best player and more talented, that's why I think Luke Altmyer, who's maybe less talented but more familiar and more accurate, is the right guy. I'm just fascinated to see Ole Miss because they have like 25 JUCOs, a new offensive coordinator, not JUCOs, uh, portal guys, mm-hmm. new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new quarterback, new defensive front, new safeties. Like they have new everything. The offensive line's pretty good. I I think this point spread is a little high for my my blood, like 22 points. Maybe they destroy Troy. That, that was weird. Maybe they destroy Troy, but like... <laughs> I don't know. I John Summerall on that defense, I think they're going to be better than people think. And I wouldn't be surprised if Troy covers that spread. I thought you weren't drink. Are you drinking a little bit more of the Ole Miss Kool-Aid than you were a couple no. weeks ago? 
No, okay. I I want to see it. Like I don't. I'm okay. I'm taking Troy to cover. Yeah. Like I don't. I want to see how you can't just take all your coaches, all your quarterbacks, all your defensive players, and and right. like add twenty players in the portal. And, and at an, at the level of Ole Miss, like I, you can do that at Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State or whatever, you can kind of replace guys in the portal. But I don't think you can do it wholesale at, at places like Ole Miss. So I, again, you guys know me; I'm down on Ole Miss. I'm happy to eat my words if Ole Miss is good. I don't know, I, but yeah. I'm fascinated to see how it, how it all works. Um, I would. So Lane said that you know we don't really do things when he was asked about this because obviously he's being asked about the quarterback situation probably in any time where the media is in the room and then some, and he was asked, you know, like, what are you, you know, what are you going to do? Why aren't you making a decision? He's like, well, we don't really do things that are set in stone. We kind of, you know, just do whatever's best for the team. And as much as I hear that, and I don't necessarily think it makes sense to be stagnant or rigid or uncompromising in terms of your tactics to flexibility is good, but We've talked about this before that more than any other position, the quarterback, not only for their own mental state, but also for the consistency and the mental state of the team, like it doesn't do you a ton of favors to drag it on this long. You kind of have to just make a call. And maybe that means you do use both guys throughout the season and you have somebody that, you know, comes in in certain situations or you have like situational positioning for those guys. But at some point, you just got to roll with it. And I don't think that. Him telling, like, say, I don't think it's just, I don't think it's just for the media where he's trying to be secretive. I mean, I really just think that he's they just weird. don't know because knowing which, which one of these guys it's going to be, it's not going to do, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it do all that much for preparation by another team. I just, I think yeah. that he really doesn't know himself. I'm very concerned about how this is about to come out, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Um, I love this. I'm fairly positive that I've had a Lane Kiffin dream this week. Oh God! Yeah, and like not in that way, obviously. Um, he's not my type, but I, I, I would say, um, your type is Roman Yossi. Yeah, well, yeah, well, Roman Yossi is very handsome. Yeah, he's everybody's there, type. There's, 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 I'm more of a triple option guy. Like, I'm just attracted to the triple option. Right. Like, if you, if you, if you can a good mesh point with a fullback and a quarterback and a and a guard, like that's that's my stuff right there. That gets me going. Um, I don't, I can't remember what it was. I think I was like, at, uh, I was, I was dreaming about being at like camp or something at practice. And I, it's one of those where you know it's football season because it's now creeped and in, crept into your dreams. And you're like, all right, I love you, football season. Thank you for being here, but leave me alone at night, please. Like, just leave me alone. Why is Lane Kiffin over here? talking to his quarterbacks in my dream. It was so freaking weird. Uh, LSU. Cute. Brian Kelly's playing at Coy. Here's what's awesome about LSU. And we can kind of hold off on this a little bit if you want to talk about it more during the preview, or we can dive into Florida State LSU if you want. I don't know. Um, they're they're going to they're gonna play at Coy. I'm assuming Jaden Daniels is going to be the starter. And that both... But here's what's cool. Both guys are going to play. I bet you both guys play. And I think that is going to be super interesting. So we'll get to that coming up in just a second. Uh, let's get to the Kentucky drama, though, Aaron, because... I'm um, we, we've sat, we sort of, I sort of knew some of this stuff for a while. You hear rumblings, you talk to folks off the record, you send text messages, you find out about things. It wasn't really a, a big secret that a bunch of kids had done a bunch of stupid shit for Kentucky. Chris Rodriguez had a DUI and reckless driving back in May was not on their depth chart all summer long. Mark Stoops has been very coy about this as well. On Monday, he basically said they're, they're suspended, but there could be multi-game suspensions for a number of players, including one of their best linebackers and Jordan Wright. Right. So 
I guess my first, we, we don't know how long this is going to be. I am assuming it has no impact on the Miami of Ohio game, although it opened at 20 points. It's now down to 16. And Cavassier Smoke's going to step in and be just fine. They still have Will Levis. I still want to learn about Rick Scarangelo, the offensive coordinator. But I, to me, this is what does this do to Kentucky's long-term prognosis if they if some of their best players are out for longer? It's just a running back, but he's a really, really good one, and and a good linebacker. Like I don't, they go to Florida in week two, Aaron. I, that's I that's concerning to me. And that that was my exact thought when I heard about it because it's you know you think about it on the short term as you know what's going to happen for the Florida game, what's going to happen for these couple of games that these guys have to sit out. But what you really have to think about is what's that going to do the overall record at the end of the year? What's that going to do for your postseason? Like what happens with you in the postseason? What bowl you go to? Then how does that affect recruiting? And there's just this like just spiraling down of effects that can happen when you lose guys like these two because they're difference makers. And you, then you've got people on both sides of the like, you know, you got, um, I mean, gaps on offense and defense missing them and it just it affects everything top down including the future of recruiting even that that seems really dramatic but you know these are very influential guys on yeah. the Kentucky roster and you know overall numbers translate to winning translates to recruits and I hope I hope it doesn't go far enough to affect Kentucky down the line that far because they were so they're on such a good trajectory it's like yeah, you know, someone loses all this weight and they can't get off the last ten pounds. It's like just keep pushing weight, yeah. don't mess anything up. So, well, I don't think this affects Kentucky from keeping them from being like a good football team. It does create a little bit more drama in the Florida game, in the Tennessee game, in, in the you know Mississippi State game, the South Carolina game. Like it creates a little bit more drama, and I think it limits their upside a little bit for sure. So, I still like them at second in the East, but I feel worse about it today than I did last week. Let's say. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm sure this is not good. Not Mark Suits' favorite situation to be in. They just have been a pretty drama-free, just put their head down and work hard kind of program. And you hate to see hiccups like this and especially preventable stuff. But it is what it is. Yep. Hopefully there's guys that have been, you know, right there waiting to get reps and practice that learned under some of these very talented, consistent players. And hopefully they can step up to the plate. But we'll see. I don't think it affects again. Don't think it affects you in Miami of Ohio. No, just like just like all these quarterbacks playing in these warm up games this week, which we'll get to all the good games. But I do think um, there's no question that it, it could affect their upside potentially over the course of the year. Offensive linemen is involved in the, as well. And again, if it's just a two game suspension and they're all back by week three, then we'll see. Um, but again, I think that Florida game is huge for how they define their season. I agree. There's, no, there's no question about that. Uh, all right, let's get to week one. Finally, here on the show, no, number one, and we'll give our give you our playoff predictions at the very end. I don't know how much we need to talk about Tennessee, Missouri, Alabama. We'll kind of go rapid fire there. I just want to know what are you most looking forward to? Because I know you just had your birthday and you got to watch Vanderbilt win a game with all your friends, like on a Saturday night, eating tacos. Like it was great. What, what are you most looking forward to? Which game are you? You can watch one game. Which one are you most looking forward to in week number one? Oh, God, I can only watch one. Yeah. What do you what do you want? That's hard. Mm, I'm trying to decide if I. I mean, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I'm excited about the Georgia Oregon game. It's a good answer. But 
Well, Mississippi State and Memphis has been. Uh, I thought you might go that way. No one um, else. No one else agrees with you, by the way. No, 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 no. Very individualistic on that one. But yeah, that I mean, that's been a fun game for the past couple of years. Some more for Memphis last year than Mississippi State, but probably, probably Oregon, Georgia. All right. Why? Um. Well, I think it's it's fun to have these like those games that are that big and you know ranked teams at the very beginning of the season, especially when the SEC teams don't start with, you know, like a um, Elon Elon or, you know, what was, what do you say? Sam Houston. Who's playing Sam Houston? There's Mercer, Sam Houston state, Elon. We got Troy, Miami of Ohio, ball state, Louisiana tech and Utah state on the schedule this week. Yeah. Those just aren't that fun. I do. I don't know. There's a lot I'm excited about LSU. FSU is just going to be, I can't think of a wilder game. So Oregon, let's let's roll with Oregon, Georgia, okay, because obviously they're the, they're the defending champs, and that's your pick here. My, mine is Utah, Florida, but I'll explain that in a minute. Okay. What, what's fascinating about this game is I think Oregon is better along the line of scrimmage than Georgia than Georgia fans think. They are better on both lines of scrimmage, offensively and defensively. In particular, offensively, that is going to challenge the challenge is a loose term here. The the reworked Georgia defense. We're going to see all those new five star athletes in starting roles. They still have Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and Keely Ringo. Like they're still loaded. They're still a seventeen point favorite. It's a huge number, but I do think Oregon's better in the trenches than people realize. I, unless Bo Nix does something spectacular and super, Kirby Smart claiming he knows who the starting quarterback is. I guess maybe Ty Thompson could play, but it's Bo Nix. I do think it's an interesting challenge for Georgia's defensive front. I don't know. Like unless Oregon plays out of its mind on defense, and they've got some nice pieces with Noah Sewell and Justin Flo, and like they're pretty good on defense as well. I think it's a good, nice challenge for Georgia, and they still could probably cover the seventeen points. So I'm with you. It's the national champs. It's a big non-conference game. I hate that it's in Atlanta, quote unquote neutral site. Uh, I don't think there's going to be anything neutral about it. Uh, and Not Bo- neutral. And- or Bo Nix. Like, I'm going to go transfer to be with my old offensive coordinator at a really good program in the Pac-12, and my result is I got to play the team that I played every year in crossover in the SEC. So, yeah, congrats, congrats Bo. Definitely. Will, yeah, for real. Tough straw to draw. Um, the No, it's, it's going to be... The reason I like these matchups, too, with, like, top, you know, is Oregon ranked number... Is Oregon 11? Uh, they they would be a top ten some, team for they would be a top ten team for me, but for like you? where they are, I don't know where exactly where they are. Fourteen to the AP, yeah, I don't yeah. Care. Um, but it's interesting to have that gauge. And this is not me being an SEC brat, but when you see a team that's you know top fifteen or like flirting with the top ten, they have to come out and play a team like Georgia. It just it kind of gives you a gauge of what it's gonna where the SEC is <laughs> in comparison to these other conferences and other programs and just to give us an idea of how big that gap really is or maybe there's not as big of a gap as we thought there was between a team like georgia or the tip top of the sec and these other like top tier programs but sometimes you see really quickly that there's more of a gap than uh you know oregon fans or people in a different conference would want to well and like i love this oregon team i think they're a challenger for the pac-12 so they're the top of the Mm -hmm. pac-12 Behind Utah, in my opinion, but but like but like yep. a challenger for the top, they could win the conference. And if that's the case, the fact that Georgia is almost a three touchdown favorite is a pretty big statement by Vegas on how good they think Georgia is going to bounce back and be. Again, I we'll get to our playoff picks here in a second, but I don't think there's anything wrong with the Georgia Bulldogs. Again, we talked last week, underrated in my opinion. 
My my favorite, like I want to go LSU, Florida State. I think Cincinnati, Arkansas is going to be great. We'll talk about both of those. But I, I, the Utah, Florida game to me is fascinating on so many levels. We we don't really know what Anthony Richardson's going to be. I think he's going to be very, very good, but we don't know that for sure. Uh, Utah, I I'm going to pick Utah to make the playoff, but they can't go to the swamp and lose as only a two and a half point favorite, which is telling you that Vegas wouldn't be surprised at all if they lose. To a Florida team with a coach in his first game, like it, th- this is the entire Pac-12's like essence is on the line in this game, and if Anthony Richardson is just as good as he could possibly be, I, I mean I'm concerned about Florida's front seven, Aaron. But like I like Utah to go in there and win and cover, but in the swamp, actual you know road environment, really great offensive line, quarterback, coach combination for Utah. Brand new front seven, and you know, not a lot of depth, and not a lot of horses with a brand new coach for Florida. I don't know what to make of this. I like Utah to go down there and win, but to me, this is the one where I think we're going to learn the most stuff about the two teams. Yeah, no, I think that's completely true. And even though um, Utah did lose a couple of their key guys on defense, but I think. You know, without really getting into the weeds of it, maybe you don't see that there still is, or outsiders wouldn't see that there is still a lot of talent and a lot of um, like good defensive players on this team, even though they lost a couple. And you know, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see just how quickly Billy Napier is able to do what he's if he you know if he does great things, how quickly is it happening? Is it really what it seems to be? We obviously know that he had great momentum on the recruiting front. But how is that going to translate in terms of, or not translate, but how is his coaching and, you know, play calling and staff working together? Just it, I'm, I've been waiting a long time to see what this, what Florida is going to look like. And I still don't know what to expect, but I have a feeling that it's, it might be, they might be ahead of even where people thought they could be at this point. Florida is, you think? I do. I, I, I think it'll be, yeah, I think how they, it deploy Anthony Richardson inside of that offense. They ran the ball very well last year, and I think they're fine. They've got some questions, and again, if you listen to our interview last week with, with Nick DeLatore, questions on depth along the front seven and at wide receiver. Those are the two areas that you're concerned about with Florida. Right. I, I think it's going to be fascinating how they deploy Richardson inside of the running game. Like They're going to be a little bit more run-heavy, and, and conservative is not the right word, but they're very creative. Mm-hmm. That 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 his offenses have always been Billy Napier's offenses have always been very creative and thoughtful, and I want to know what that looks like with Anthony Richardson. Does that unlock all of his potential against a very very good Utah defense that's fundamentally sound, disciplined, physical, or or is it like this is a major learning lesson and and growing pains and all the cliches about Anthony Richardson? So I I I know a lot of people are on Florida and the points at home. I like Utah to go in there and sort of make a statement because again, mm-hmm. I'm picking you. I'm picking Utah to make the playoffs. I think Florida's mm-hmm. in for a rough first month because they play Kentucky and they got Tennessee on the road. If they somehow figure out a way to win and go two and one in that stretch, we just talked about Kentucky. Uh, the, things could be, to your point, Florida could be way ahead of schedule. If they lose all three games, they could be one and three, and then we've got to see a lot of progress at the end of the season. So this is a huge to me. This is a huge game that defines like the SEC East. And the Pac-12 and the playoff all at the same time, which is why it's like, which is again, I want to learn how good is Utah, and and what is Florida going to be? Um, yeah, I, 
it's more of a gut it, when you when you well, you're going through all of that stuff. I mean, I don't necessarily have a reason on paper to think Florida is going to be way ahead of, you know, what the overall general consensus is. It's more of like a yeah, gut, I mean, it's more just like a weird gut feeling that they're going to be able to put something together and they yeah, have yeah. I don't I don't really know exactly where it's coming from. They do have like Vegas agrees with you. Vegas a is lot of him... different targets. Even at Anthony Richardson still kind of struggles to get settled. I mean, he's gonna have options in terms of receiving core. I mean, well, I mean, I, I could see Utah pulling it off though. I really could, but I would I would just want to see what are you I picking wanna... Florida officially? Are you picking Florida? Yeah, I'll pick Florida. I want to pick against Ooh, you. I, like I feel it. like I like but that. I I just want to read on them because I don't feel like yeah. I've been kind of sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to see what's going to happen with no real gauge. And I can't yeah. wait to have an idea of what Florida's going to look like because Florida and LSU are still, and even Auburn too, are like my three biggest question marks. All right, let's go to LSU then. I know we can skip over Cincinnati, Arkansas. We'll get back to that in a second because okay. actually, you know what? Let's Before we go to Sunday night, let's, let's go Cincinnati, Arkansas because okay. here's, here's how... I'm super excited about this. Obviously, I know you are with your Sam Pittman uh, affection. Obsession. Like, here's how I would describe this to people. I was I was doing a radio hit in like Kansas City, and somebody was like, "What can we expect out of this game?" And because there's like no Sauce Gardner, no Kobe Bryant, no Pierce, no Desmond Ritter, like there's so many pieces gone from Cincinnati. Yep. And I don't think we know what they're going to look like. But here's what I do know, and we know K- KJ Jefferson, the line of scrimmage. For both Arkansas guys, I want to see some of those weapons, those transfers for Arkansas. Jaden Hazelwood and company step into roles that Traylon Burks left. He, here's what, here's my take on this game. If you really love well coached, fundamentally sound, disciplined football, I think you are going to get two of the most well coached, disciplined football teams in this game. They're only a six and a half point favorite Arkansas at home. Like this strikes me as like. Neither team's going to make mistakes. Neither team's going to beat itself. It's going to be hard fought. And Arkansas is just like a touchdown better the whole time. And I don't like, I think Vegas has it right. I like Arkansas laying the points to win. But again, these are like two of the most well-coached teams. So if you love fundamentally sound football, like this is your shit right here. Yeah. And pretty balanced teams. I mean, I know, you know, no team besides maybe Alabama and sometimes I guess in some situations like last year, Georgia really go in feeling like they're pretty uh, balanced in every aspect, but Cincinnati really is strong, not only on offense and defense, but also on special teams. So I I think you're onto something there with just a sound football game on, uh, you know, on, on both sides, Um, Arkansas. I mean, and for you, I guess when I was looking into this game, Obviously, the thing that comes to my mind is just how many people, how truly how many good players Cincinnati lost. Yeah. But for you, what's the difference maker? If Cincinnati's gonna pull it off. What's gonna be the difference? I, I don't. I honestly don't think they can. I like Arkansas. Yeah, I don't to, think I, they can either. I like Arkansas to cover. And I, what I want to see. I mean, first of all, I want to see. I mean, just like, I wasn't saying when. I was saying cover. Um, just KJ Jefferson's off. Um, he, he's not the guy like, again, I want to see KJ Jefferson step into this game and take over Mm -hmm. because I think the, you know, Arkansas is the better team with the slightly better roster, but they're two very similar teams built in very similar ways with two very similar coaches. And I want to see KJ Jefferson be the, the difference maker, like step in and take over. Like, like will, will Levis is now going to be asked to do more for Kentucky in the next couple of weeks because of the pieces that are missing and, and you losing Wondell Robinson, like step in and take over. 
Anthony Richardson, you're the guy at Florida. Step in and take over. Like, I want to see KJ Jefferson just say, this is my shit, man. Like, I'm I'm the dude. I'm the star. I'm the guy who's going to carry this team. This is my team. And he acted that way at Media Days. And I want to, in a good way. And, yep. and I, and I want to see him just say, like, in a game where it's kind of evenly matched, but Arkansas is just a little bit better and they're at home. Like the difference is the guy who makes plays with the football. And that's what I want to see from KJ Jefferson. If he doesn't makes a couple of mistakes, that's how you give Cincinnati a chance. And Cincinnati's too well coached mm-hmm. that if you give them a chance and they're in the game in the fourth quarter, oh, they're they, capitalizing on yes, it. Yes. They're going to give you a run, man. No question. I think in terms of what you're saying about just coming in with confidence, and it sounds like what you're saying from media days, which I've noticed this about him too, especially lately, he was never really KJ Jefferson. I mean, not necessarily, not a, uh, there's not an air of cockiness to him. And there's a definitely no, a difference no. between that um, humble and controlled sense of self versus the over inflated ego or cockiness. And right. this, this is the difference to me between I'm not saying, I know guys love Lane Kiffin and I'm really not bashing him right now. I, I'll bash it for other things, but not necessarily for this, but it's the exact opposite things are happening. Like, you know, Arkansas, they are, have total faith in him. He knows it. He hears it from the coaching staff every day. They're all rallied around yep. it. And he's yep. able to stand on that kind of like cornerstone of belief from the entire program and then believe it himself and then be able to hopefully translate it onto the field and his head will be in the right space. Whereas you're looking at Ole Miss and you're like, I don't even know who's playing. Am I? And then they decide, you know, now right, right, right. he's right. like, wait, who's better? You or me? I don't even know who's better, um, <laughs> you know, with Altmire and all that. So. I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I do think that you're right about the fundamentally sound thing. And then I would love to see KJ Jefferson do exactly what you're describing. Yeah. If you want to see linebackers fill gaps exactly like they're supposed to, this is your game. Like every player is going to be in the exact right place. No blown coverages. Like it's going to be like it it, it just if you're a coach, you're probably watching this going, man, this is fun. Like it's just I think that's where they're going to be on the opposite side of that spectrum. LSU and Florida State on Sunday night. Great way to wrap up the the uh, Sunday evening. We'll get to all the other games, but like I think th- there's some chaos factor here in this game that I just find utterly interesting and fascinating because it is two of the biggest party schools in New Orleans on a Sunday night. Florida State's already played a game. They looked good, but it was Duquesne. The offensive line didn't look great. Jordan Travis did. I, we think Jordan uh, Jaden Daniels is going to be the starter. I would assume he will be, and then I assume Garrett Nussmeyer is going to get some reps. The offensive line for LSU is a giant question mark. The defense is very good. They got some weapons on the outside. I don't know how healthy Keishon Boutte is, but like this has like chaos. It's a three point spread. Uh, This has chaos, complete and utter chaos. Like there is nothing that could happen in this game on the field on any any given play that would surprise me. And it feels like the exact opposite of the Cincinnati Arkansas game. Yeah. And uh, one of the drunkest situations I could possibly imagine. Love it. There's no, there's, well, Florida LSU is pretty wild, but Florida State, I mean. Oh, Florida State's way. They're what? Yeah. They're like Florida, like Florida State's like, you know, that's like Arizona State level yeah. of wildness. Yeah. Get your pen, get your penicillin shots in New Orleans early. Like get those, get those penicillin shots ready to I mean, go. It's, it's a real concern. I, yeah. I mean, very excited I, for that one too. I, you know, just to be able to see what Brian Kelly's been able to put together so far and if it is it or organized at all it is an improvement yeah jordan travis had like something like 14 yards per attempt 
last week and just like a couple of attempts, 15 attempts, I think, last week down the field. So they were making big plays. They hit a couple of bombs. But again, it's Duquesne. I- I'm curious, like, here's the other element of this that I think is interesting. And I know you're big into the psychology of like the locker room, mm-hmm. like, like Florida State's camp could not have been as intense as LSU's camp for a couple of reasons. One, Brian Kelly's a new coach. He's breaking in a new, a new everything. But also their entire focus was on a big game in New Orleans, in their backyard, in a major market on national TV against a big time rival in Florida State. And I, I don't to me, that elevates the energy levels in camp. It has to. Whereas Florida State, they benefit because they played a game, which is good. But also, how do you get up for Duquesne? Like, how, how, how do you think their energy levels in camp were leading into Duquesne? Like, how do you not like over? T- does that make sense? Like, LSU has been focused and zeroed in with a new coach on a new system and a new culture with new quarterback focused on a big opponent on national TV the entire month. And right. Florida State kind of had to take care of business against Duquesne. I, I don't know. what Does that make sense? Like, I, I feel like there's a positive that they got to play a game. But that maybe LSU has the advantage in energy because they're just going to be. I'm assuming they're they've been up here real high for this entire last like three weeks. That's very true in terms of energy level, and I think, but I think that pure energy, in and of itself, is uh, more beneficial later in the season because you need it to like get the energy to play, and you've been actually your body's beat down, and you truly are just physically tired when you have so much energy that hasn't really been released yet in this capacity, things can, it can get messy, like uncontrolled, really, really high energy. Isn't always good. It can be, it can just nerves can be up and you can be overhyped. I've seen that happen. Are you going, you like Florida state? Not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm still going LSU. I just because of the nature of the game where it is. And I think, I'm just I, I'm not necessarily saying that it's going to be the reason LSU can't pull it off. I just have seen really, really hype go badly and really, really hype go really well okay. because guys get right. overexcited and yep. you start just you're not in the zone. So you got it, you got it, the jitters and you got to calm down mm-hmm. and you know it, it, you know and maybe Florida it, State got their you know yeah, got no, their nerves a, out. But. That's totally valid. And who handles the stage best in the first quarter could be a big deciding factor yes. for that game. Because again, we have no clue what either of these two teams really are. Uh-huh. Um, I do think, I do think uh, I, I'm just, I, I want to see Garrett like this. I want to see Garrett Nussmeyer. Like, I just want to see, I, I'm fine with Jaden Daniels being the starter. I think that's the right move. I think that's the sound, the sound move, but I want to just, let's see what he's got. Let's see what, let's see what the backups got because he's people have been raving about him for so long. I want to see, you know, throw him out there a few series. Let's see what he's got. Um, especially if the offense stalls early. Okay, let's do some rapid fire. Oh no, Miss Memphis, Mississippi State. Um, I, I should I can I even ask you what you think about this? Like you won the game against Mississippi State last year on a bunch of technicalities, and Mississippi State fans are not probably happy about that. I'm assuming Will Rogers and Mississippi State's extra motivated in this one at home. Probably. Against, against I was tr- I was trying to remember what the spread was. Do you know it off the top of your head? Uh, it's like fifteen, I think. Yeah, not um, a huge number. So, sixteen. I, I think that Mississippi State def- defensively, I, I don't feel as good. If I'm talking about it from a Memphis fan perspective, I don't feel as good about it as I have in the past. Um, Mississippi Fair. State's just very solid on uh, defense. I know that their offense is getting a lot of um, 
attention, but the defensive front for Mississippi State is extremely strong. And Memphis always has, you know, one or two just like power players, like these weapons that are really, really fast, extremely athletic. And I'm not saying this year is any different. I just don't know if that's going to translate to beating this Mississippi State team because they're good. Yeah, Miss, I think Mississippi State's that three three five Zach Arnett's running on defense. I think is or even very cover, I mean. very very underrated, and I think the offense is what it is. So I like Mississippi State there. All right, what are yeah, you most for looking sure. for? Ball State and Tennessee on Thursday night. What are you most looking forward to in that game? Give me like the one thing you care about in a game that Tennessee is a thirty five point favorite. Um, the new new guys... the new the new look Neyland Stadium club level suites and chairs. Yeah, that well, that's exciting. Um, those guys just continue to be able to have fun, especially the upperclassmen, after what they've the shit that they've been through with that program and trying to stick it out and COVID and all of this, yeah. and then getting to see them actually start to enjoy the game again under Hypo last year was, even though I was not raised a Tennessee fan, is oh, it's always I'm a players person and I like being able. Yeah to watch them enjoy what they're doing. And I think this will be a continuation of that. So I hope they can go out, be classy about it, classier than Tennessee baseball, but um, wow. have fun on the field. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Might take that, Mike Concho. Uh, Louisiana Tech, Missouri. I just want to see the freshman. I want to see Brady Cook, the quarterback, but I want to see the freshman. I want to see all these guys that Eli Drinkowitz has recruited. I want to see him get out there, Luther Burden in particular. I want to see him get out there and perform. And, um, you know, again, it's like a 20-point spread against Louisiana Tech. That's one of the very few games that Missouri should handle and win. Uh, let's see what they. Let's see how sloppy they are. I just want to see some of those freshmen get out there for Missouri. Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not a lot to talk about with Louisiana Tech and Missouri. Yeah, sorry, sorry just, Missouri fans, we love you, but like I just want to see the young. Guys I just got there. a message like pop up on my computer and email, and I got really really distracted. I'm very sorry, Missouri. Um, good luck. I don't have a ton to say. <laughs> Utah State against Alabama. This is a forty. 40- Two point spread. Uh, it's it's insane. Um, Utah State's not terrible on defense, but they ain't going to stop Alabama. It's a forty two point spread. I got nothing to add. Um, I don't have much to add either. I it, that's not even necessarily saying anything bad. It's just Alabama. Yeah. So how about they'll this? Take it to heart. How about this? Only thirteen points. Georgia State at South Carolina on the road. That is a short spread. New Spencer Rattler, Shane Beamer, year two. Lots of expectations for the Gamecocks. They got the new lights in the stadium. That's a I th- that number was a little small for my taste. So I this is really interesting to see how the, can they run the football? Can they protect the quarterback? They've got some better weapons. They've got the better quarterback. Does it actually translate? Because thirteen is Vegas telling you this could be closer than people think. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I am a little bit surprised about that number. Also, I don't know. Wonder if that has more to do with confidence in Georgia State or people not really knowing what South Carolina is going to be able to put together yet. Yes. Uh, the answer is yes okay. to both of those things. Uh, yep. All right, fi- final. F- you, give me your final four playoff predictions. Final predictions that you're held to that are firm that you have to pick. Give me your four teams and who's winning the Natty. I'm get. I'm letting you go first on this because I've gone first a lot today. Okay, I'm going. Uh, I've gone first plenty. Settle down. Uh, I- I'm going to say this: Georgia's twelve and zero. Alabama's twelve and zero. Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. Alabama comes back and beats them in the national championship game. With Utah and Ohio State also making the playoff, the only other team I considered was Michigan. Uh, if they can be eleven and zero going to the horseshoe, in theory, we could get two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams, which would make everyone else's head explode. Considering the news of the last two years, 
and expansion and realignment that if we got a conf- if we got a playoff with just two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams, after all this complaining about the top two power conferences, I think that would make I'm kind of rooting for it just because I think that would destroy people's minds. But it, it's not good for college football, so I'm picking Utah. Okay. So you go Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and Utah? Yep, with with Alabama winning the national championship. Shockingly, in an upset, Alabama wins the national title. I have Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson, although it would be kind of Good. fun to it would be kind of fun for it to be Notre Dame, just with like everything, just like how much they've been centric in all of these conversations about expansion and super conference and all of this stuff it would just be fun for them to end up in that position just with the stories around it but i gotta go clemson i also have alabama winning the national title game i went back and forth on sec championship it does seem like georgia besides last year loves to win like show out early and then lose when it really matters but maybe this is a new georgia sorry Wow, a, channeling your Godfrey there. Wow. I know, but it's just Wow. Okay. But that's but I know what it's like to well, not at this level, to choke to be a fan of a much, much lower down team and choke at the end of the season. But Georgia tends to do that. I, I there's quite literally no way I can pick anyone but Alabama win the yeah, national I, championship. I, it just doesn't make any sense. I know. I know. Uh, Georgia fans, uh Aaron just compared Sorry. her fandom to Vanderbilt. And struggles to your fandom as a Georgia fan. so And Memphis. so That's true. And Memphis. All right. Check out the YouTube page. Subscribe. We got some cool stuff <clears throat> Excuse me, planned for you guys. So make sure you got the YouTube page notifications turned on. Uh, you can watch every episode of this show. And of course, we've got some other stuff planned for you over there as well. So please share the product. We know there's a bunch of new of you guys uh, hanging out with us. We love you. And we appreciate you doing that. Follow Aaron Dugan on Twitter. I'll do this for you since you did such a good job early in the show. At the Aaron Dugan on Twitter. At Aaron underscore Dugan. Uh, of course, on Instagram, you can get to me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports and 440 Sports newly branded YouTube page about just college football and football in general. So go check it out at 440 Sports. Thank you guys all for listening. Happy Labor Day. Kick your heels up. Have a cocktail. Enjoy the weekend of football. It is back, folks. We'll be back next week to break it all down. For Aaron, my name is Braden. Thanks for listening. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. 